I love that. <laughs> what happened to my hat? Oh, good, good. This is not on. Test, testing one, two, three. It is. Oh. Thank you. Well, you, this is a wonderful camp. I've been having such a good time, and I want to call your attention. I want to compliment you all for the things that I've noticed today and yesterday. I noticed two kids separately came up to Leonard the chef to thank him for the wonderful meal. And there probably were more than two, but I just saw two. But I, I think that's awesome. It's so important to appreciate people, and especially Leonard. He worked so hard to cook good meals. And then I saw two counselors who had accidental spills on the floor today. And you know what? They cleaned it up themselves. They didn't require other helpers or anything. They just went and got the broom and got the mop and took care of it all by themselves. One girl came up to me and she said she wanted to pray for me. Oh, I was so touched. That was so wonderful. Oh. God bless. That was wonderful. So if anybody else wants to pray for me, I appreciate it. <laughs> and a couple of counselors struck up a conversation with me and were super friendly. And so that's really good because I'm kind of a shy person. You know, you might notice that I don't talk a whole lot at dinner time and stuff because I'm kind of shy. That's okay. Everybody's different. God has made us all different. Um... I wanted to ask you, does anybody remember the verse that's the most famous verse in the book of John? We talked about, yeah. Yeah, you're really close. It's John 3.16. Can you say it? You guys, can you all say it? For God... in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Excellent. Excellent. And does anybody know the memory verse for this week? John 15, 5. The memory verse for this week is John 15, 5. Okay. You're, you're close. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a person remains in me, meaning Jesus, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And we, do you remember the, bran the branch that was disconnected from the roots and it was all dried up? And then there was another branch that had spider mites on it. And the spider mites, you know what they do? They burrow inside the stem of the little plant and they kill it from the inside. So it's important that, that we not get choked by chokeweed because that, that'll wither us and, and make us not grow. And if a healthy plant gets attacked by a spider mite that separates its connection to its root, it withers too. So you don't want things to separate you from the love of God. You want to stay close to Jesus, okay? 
So we do that by what? What, what helps us stay close to Jesus? Reading uh-huh. the, Bible. the Bible. That's right, God's word. He gave his word to us. Okay, um, I've got a short video. It's a cartoon kind of thing. There's a wonderful covenant pastor named Craig Groeschel from Oklahoma who started this app called the U Bible. And in the U Bible is the Bible Project videos. They're so cool. And I'm going to show you this one. It's about the image of God. Okay? So let's watch that together. So if you lived in ancient Bible times, odds are you lived under the authority of a king. And many of these kings claimed that they were gods. And they would even call themselves the image of God. Meaning they had authority to tell people what to do, order things to be made. Yeah, they got to define good and evil. And these kings would often make statues of themselves, which in Hebrew were called selim, often translated as idol or image. But for Israel, they didn't view their kings as the god. In fact, they were never supposed to even make images of gods. It's exactly right, and that was really unique for that time and culture. This is rooted, first of all, in Israel's belief that you can't reduce the creator God down to any one thing in creation. But there's another reason. People aren't to make images of God because God has already made images of himself. When did he do that? Let's go to page one of the Bible. And the first person we meet there is God. He's the one with authority over all creation. He speaks and creates and obeys. And he defines what is good and not good. In other words, he alone is king. But then surprisingly, at the pinnacle of all of God's creative work, he makes humans. And he calls all of them the image of God. So he gives all humans the authority to rule. Exactly, that's what he goes on to say. He tells the humans to subdue the earth and to rule it. And so this task that once belonged only to elite kings is here in the Bible the task of every human being. This was a revolutionary statement in its day because all humans are being called to rule and to participate in the human project. So what does this mean? I mean, how are we all supposed to rule? So the picture we get in Genesis is the garden. Gardening? Yes. <laughs> so they rule the earth by cultivating it, by harnessing all of the earth's raw potential and then making something more and new out of it. So growing food for each other. Yes, but that also includes growing families then, which become neighborhoods, and then they create communities where people are going to work and take care of each other and build businesses and cities that will expand to new places and so on. So ruling is really the day-to-day -day acts of our work and creativity. Yes, we take the world somewhere. This is humanity's divine and sacred task. Yeah, this all sounds really nice, and humans have designed some pretty great things, but just as often we create things that cause a lot of suffering and a lot of injustice, so maybe we shouldn't actually be ruling. Yeah, so the Bible addresses this. In Genesis, what happens is that God gives humans a choice about how they're going to rule. So are they going to use their authority for the benefit of others, which is God's definition of good, or are they going to turn away and define good and evil for themselves and use their authority for self-advantage? And in the story, they choose to define good and evil on their own terms. And so this is the Bible's depiction of the human condition. So sometimes we pull off amazingly good stuff, but just as often, 
despite our best intentions, we act selfishly and we create evil. And so we're stuck as mediocre rulers making a mess of things. But that's not the end of the story. So the Bible goes on and it makes this claim that all of this was resolved when God bound himself to humanity through Jesus. And he showed us what it looks like to truly rule as a human. So what does it look like? Well, Jesus ruled by serving and by seeking the best for others, by putting himself underneath them and loving not just his friends, but also his enemies. And that's not a typical way to rule. And not only that, Jesus confronted the consequences of all the evil and the death that we have created by our messed up ways of ruling. And he takes it. I mean, he lets it kill him. And so when the New Testament writers look back to Jesus' resurrection, they see a whole new future opening up for all of humanity. Jesus is a new way to be human. Yeah, that's why they call Jesus the image of God, or the new human. And not only that, they also believe that Jesus' divine life and power is now available to heal and to transform us to become our life and power. And this sounds really nice, but what does it really look like? So, practically, the Apostle Paul said it looks like people being filled by Jesus' own presence and spirit, filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and integrity and gentleness and self-control. He says, this is the new humanity that God wants to create in us. So that we become people in whom God's image is being restored. People who will move the human project forward. And that's actually how the story of the Bible ends. It's a renewed world where God is on his throne and his servants are all around him. But they're the ones ruling over this new world. Taking it into new uncharted territory with Jesus as their healer and their God. Thank you. Thanks for watching this channel. We do this because can, you can we pause it or disconnect it. Thank you. So you are made in the image of God. In Genesis, it says God made humans in His image, and you are precious to Him. In a few minutes, we're going to watch another video that's about God's love, how much He loves us, and I think sometimes these wonderful videos can get us in touch with God's love in a really powerful way that really helps you understand how special you are, each one of you. The words that we use have weight, and that's why God wrote his word in the Bible. God says we're to weigh our words carefully, speaking kindly to others, and love one another to do good to others as you'd like them to do good to you. In the book of Daniel, do you know what Daniel's famous for? I bet you do. Somebody knows what Daniel is famous for? <laughs> the lion's den, you remember that? Yeah. Well, he was really famous because he survived being thrown into the lion's den. But there's more to this great story than meets the eye. Let me refresh your memory. King Darius was the reigning king of Persia, and as his kingdom grew, he appointed 120 governors to handle regional matters and help govern the people. The king then chose three administrators to oversee those 120 governors. Daniel was one of the chosen leaders. Over time, by consistently serving the king with an excellent serving heart, 
Daniel stood out among all the other governors and administrators, and eventually the king decided to place him in charge of the entire kingdom. Well, what do you think those other governors thought? Jealous. Oh, they were jealous. So Daniel was no was an overnight success. Uh uh. It looks like he was in the right place at the right time, but nothing could be farther from the truth. There's a story behind this. Why was Daniel successful? Why was he favored above others? Why did the king respect him so much and promote him so quickly and believe in his leadership? Why did God look favorably on Daniel? Why did God close the mouths of those ferocious, man-eating lions? We find an answer is part of Daniel's story that many people don't notice. His divine favor was the result of one small decision that Daniel made at one point in his life. We don't know when Daniel made this decision or why. We don't know if someone else helped him or if he decided it on his own. All we know is that Daniel made one decision, starting one habit, that helped change his story. Let's pause for a moment and consider some of the great qualities of our hero. Even though the other guys did everything they could to find something wrong with Daniel, they couldn't find anything. Daniel was honest, trustworthy, dependable in all that he did. He was exactly the type of person the king was looking to promote. So his opponents decided there was only one day, one way they could trap Daniel into doing something worthy of punishment. They devised a plan that revolved around his faith in God. They knew he wouldn't do anything wrong, so they were going to have to trick him by backing him into a spiritual corner. Who else got tricked that we talked about the first night? Who else? Okay. Yeah, Adam and Eve got tricked too. Oh boy, those... Mm. So the administrators and the governors went as a group to the king and said, Oh, King Darius, live forever. They're complimenting him. The royal administrators, advisors, and governor have all agreed that the king should e issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Well, the king apparently liked that idea, just like that video we just watched. People make themselves into be kings sometimes. So he agreed. No one could pray to anybody but King Darius for the next month. And you know what happened next? Daniel didn't pray to anybody but God. And they caught him praying. And they put him in the lion's den. And he survived because God shut the mouths of the, the lions. He had angels protecting Daniel. So Daniel's decision to love God above all else, no matter what any king told him to do, was a small decision that he took in his young life, but it made a whole difference in his life. And kind of like Saul, the, uh, we talked about this morning, um, that 
Saul made a decision to, yeah, he would be king because Samuel picked him through God. God told Samuel who to pick. And he made a decision to go with it. And God's spirit entered into Saul and gave him strength, and it changed his life. And so we're going to watch another video now called The Father's Love Letter. This is, this is a video version of a letter that God would write to you and you and you personally. Okay, let's watch it.
Let's us call him Daddy. That's how much he loves us. The God who created the universe loves us that much that we can call him Daddy. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we invite your Holy Spirit's presence. And we thank you, Lord, for this wonderful camp and all the fun that we have singing and doing skits, and even the mail can be fun, Lord. Thank you. But Father, we ask your Holy Spirit to woo the hearts of anyone here who doesn't know you as their Savior so their life will change for the better and they'll be obedient 
children of you, just like Daniel was. And we'll give you all the praise and glory in the name of the Father and the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.